You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, I um, I have two goals here. One is to talk about the Packers-Bucks game one last time, and two is to go over these games. I don't like to do that as much on Sunday, but the week gets away from me, and I don't want to not do it. And because it always takes longer than I expect, we are going to start with that, because there's a very good chance that if I get on a rant about the Packers, and then I try to go through these games, it's going to be a two-hour and 45-minute podcast. So I don't want to spend too much time beating around the old bush. A couple things to get through. Uh, Cole Beasley was elevated to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers roster for obvious reasons. They are decimated with uh, injuries at wide receiver, slash suspensions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, speaking of, Sammy Watkins is officially on IR. I don't know how... It's 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 not unusual to have a hamstring in injury linger. I don't know that I've ever seen a hamstring injury happen where they're like, yeah, this is going to be at least four weeks. But that's what they did with Sammy Watkins. They're not even gonna gonna even try to bring him back. And I will say, it's it's um, as much as people say it's not surprising, it is. He has not gone out with an injury this early since like 2014, I think it was. He usually plays like weeks five, six, seven, eight, nine, or something, and then he has like a two, three week injury and he comes back or something. I mean, it's it's not usually he plays two weeks and he's gone. So I, I think, granted, anybody that said he's going to play two weeks and be gone technically was correct, but that would be me like saying the Packers are going to beat the Bears like 48 to two, being sarcastic, and it actually happens and being like, oh, yeah, I mean, I, it's not like a realistic thing that I actually thought would happen, but it happened. But anyways, we don't need to get into the weeds of the I told you so, whatever nonsense. It doesn't matter. Sammy Watkins was basically free. And again, I don't know. I don't think we win last week if it wasn't for Sammy Watkins. I have no issues with the pickup whatsoever. Our rookies are not ready. Alan Lazard has not really produced. The tight ends have not produced. It's basically the running backs and nobody with the exception of Sammy Watkins. So um, it was a good pickup, despite the fact that uh, he's injured. was hoping he'd be able to play a little bit longer than two weeks, but uh, we'll see what happens after the four weeks if he's able to come back. I don't know how bad of a hamstring pull it could possibly be, but the obvious, the the, the good and bad news, the, the bad news is we're down another wide receiver. 
And um, regardless of how much you maybe don't like Sammy Watkins, he's our best wide receiver right now, and he just went bye-bye. So that sucks. The good news is it's going to force the rookies into a more prominent role, which is, I guess, good or bad news. For a lot of people, well, that's good because they're open and da 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 The problem is it's going to put us into a situation where we're much more likely to stall out. If the rookies don't exactly know what their assignments are, if they're not in the right spot, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't have that level of trust with them, or if he wants to throw to them, but they're not in their spot yet, and so he has to like pull off and look in a different direction, this is how drives stall out. This is where problems occur. This is, this is problematic. It's not just run fast, get open, and I'll launch it to you. Although you could try a couple of those with Sammy if you want to, or uh, Christian if you want to. So you're going to have to prematurely force them into that, you know, you need to know what you're doing right now because it's, it's go time. Because again, uh, we didn't get anything from Lazard very much. Very minimal impact. And so aside from that and whatever we can maybe get from running backs, we need the rookies. And I know they have the athleticism and all that stuff. That's not even a question. Good route runners, blazing fast. But every issue that I've seen is a timing issue. You know, when Rodgers wanted to throw to Romeo Dobbs a couple times, he's looking and he's not there, right? It's all about getting timed up with your drop. He gets into his hitch and he looks to throw and Romeo hasn't even turned around yet. So I can't go there or I'm sitting here and I'm hopping and I, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't work. And with Tampa Bay coming up, that's going to be pretty problematic. And it just heightens that possibility of that game that we're all dreading where Rodgers is screaming at the rookies and things are not going well and he's throwing a fit on the sideline and the media is going nuts and haha I told you you guys suck and all that all that good stuff so hopefully that uh that isn't the case but again from a long-term standpoint forcing them into a more prominent role getting them more actual reps and more real routes not just nonsense let's try to clear out the defense and do these rub routes and everything else to try to get other guys open, actually trying to get the rookies open, um, it first of all gives us a much higher probability that one of those guys has a big day, which is going to be awesome just from an entertainment standpoint. As a Packer fan, wanting that to happen um, from shutting everybody up standpoint, and just from a confidence standpoint moving forward. Because again, as much as this feels like a massive game, how this team produces specifically Aaron Rodgers with these two rookie wide receivers, which is going to be a massive component later in the season, it has more to do with how they're performing then. And if you care about how Watkins and Dobbs do then, you need to care about what we do with them now. In other words, they need more. And they're going to get more now. So there you go. But uh, Juwan Winfrey has been uh, elevated, as has Patrick Taylor been brought up from the practice squad. It says they signed Patrick Taylor from the practice squad and elevated Juwan Winfrey. I don't know, nor do I care the difference. I just know that they've both been brought up. And by the way, let's not, uh, I, I don't know who's playing and who's not, but let's not pretend that this is like a, a devastating thing because the, the injury report is overall fairly positive. With the exception of Sammy Watkins, this could have been a devastating, I mean, we're looking at Sammy, we're looking at Christian Watson, we're looking at Randall Cobb, we're looking at, you know, again, with uh, David Bakhtiari, I, I don't know if he's playing, he's probably not playing, I don't know, it doesn't matter, but I mean, it looked positive for him. I mean, it's, it's positive across the board. Just, you know, that one guy. No, we're, we're already in this, so why don't we just uh, keep doing what we're doing here? I, I've kind of already covered this, but I'm, I'm annoyed. And, and I feel like let's get hyped up for Sunday football. Always works best on this particular podcast when people just start to annoy me, right? Because again, you can make a lot of really good cases for Tampa. You can. You can make also a lot of really stupid cases for Tampa. 
And I, I just, I'm listening to all these shows. I'm sitting here and I'm listening to all the shows on, on the YouTubes and everything. Week three pickems, we're picking all the games, and then they get to Packers Bucks, and I just hear the dumbest stuff over and over and over again. So again, I mean, I, I don't know. I know these some of these people are just kind of a joke, but it, some of the, I mean, they they spend all day going through all this stuff, and they've got all these numbers and everything else, and it's like, but you don't know that. So uh, here's here is an example of Colin Coward, and as I've said, the guy has said some stuff that's that's I think is right on the money. And then he says stuff that's like, I'm going to, I'm going to strangle you like to death. Like it's, 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 it's over. I'm sorry that it has to be over now. You had a good run. I'm going to strangle you. Here's Colin Coward just giving a reason why the Packers are stupid or whatever. (laughs) It reminds me a little of Green Bay where they won't draft a wide receiver in the first round. It's always linebackers and defensive players in Green Bay. And it's like Packers. It's not the 80s. So this, this is painful. This is painful. I, I'm just kind of stunned by this, you know? It's funny how he has to add the qualifier of in the first round. The Packers never draft wide receivers in the first round. So, oh, sorry. It, just, it takes the wind out of me once in a while. I'm trying to complete a sentence, and the wind just goes right out of me. Colin, with all due respect... You freaking moron. The Packers basically did exactly what you've been begging for. Exactly what you've been begging for them to do. And they drafted Christian Watson. Unless, of course, what you're saying is, if he was picked two spots earlier, it would have been exactly what you've been asking for. But because he got picked at 34 instead of 32, it doesn't count. We're really going to draw a hard line there, despite the fact that everyone pretty much acknowledges that there are no first-round picks after pick like 20. The Packers basically said that with first-round wide receivers. There, there were none left. But we're going to draw a hard line at 32. Any wide receiver picked bef- at 32 or earlier is, is, shows you care, shows you want to play offense, shows, shows you want to attack down the field. But if you pick at pick 34, it doesn't count. You're trying to make it, and this is, this is what drives me nuts. People want to stick with their narratives. Even when the information flies in, the, in their face and I don't understand it, I'll never understand it. Why don't you just change your mind? Is it because they did what you said and Christian Watson's not really making a big impact and not really changing things? What, why, why are we not changing the narrative? They drafted two wide receivers who are both starting for the Packers right now. How's that working out? Does that not count for some reason? By the way, it's not just wide receiver. They drafted two wide receivers, well, three technically, along with two offensive linemen. They obviously care about drafting offensive help for their quarterback. Beyond that, they're always drafting linebackers in the first round? What are you smoking? They never, ever, 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 ever draft linebackers in the first round, except this year. it's, It's staggering to me when you look at the Packers who are on the cutting edge both offensively and defensively. They, they run a Shanahan offense and a, I don't know what you call it, Fangio defense, I guess, or whatever. Whatever the cutting edge is for offense and defense, the offense that everybody wants, the defense that everybody wants, we run it. One of the more complex offenses in the entire NFL. Offense and defense are built on speed. Defense built on stopping the pass. There is not a single thing about this team 
that is reminiscent of an 80s football team. But because they care about defense? Right, they invested a lot in defense because the defense has sucked for such a long time, and Gutekunst decided to come in and fix that. God forbid. You know, it, it, it's staggering to me. You know what would have happened? Imagine if Gutekunst came in with a, a number... By the way, 2020, they had the number one offense in football and what, the, the 16th overall defense or something stupid? What would everybody be saying if we just kept stacking talent on offense? What the heck are you doing that for? The offense isn't the problem, it's the defense. But if you come in and, 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 and pick defense, defense, defense to try to fix the actual problems, oh, you don't care about your quarterback, you don't care about the offense. For the billionth time, do you want to know why they haven't invested in wide receiver? Because we haven't had a problem at wide receiver. Oh, yeah, you have. You got Devontae and nobody else. That's fake. I don't know how you can have the number one offense in all of football and be complaining about, well, you're, you don't have any weapons. What? And of course, then it would always devolve into, well, it's only because you got Aaron Rodgers. We still have him. What's going on right now? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I thought Rodgers just magically made everybody good. What happened to that? Everybody wants to just pick and choose whatever, just whatever it takes so that I can be right about what I want the reality to be. And all this is predicated on I wanted them to take a wide receiver and they didn't. And all the rest of the information that comes to me, just put it right in the garbage. I don't want to look at it. I don't care. This is stupid. I didn't queue up any clips, but I cannot tell you how many times people picked Tampa Bay. And do you know what their number one reason that they picked Tampa Bay was that I heard? There are a couple different ones. The number one reason? Rodgers doesn't have any weapons. Now they have injuries to their wide receivers. What do you mean now? We got our number one wide receiver back. What are you talking about? By the way, by the way, who does Tom Brady have to throw to in this game? I don't understand what you guys are talking about. Well, I got to go with Tampa. The, the Packers just don't have anyone to throw to. They have more people to throw through than Tom Brady does. The guy doesn't... Ugh... <laughs> uh. Packers number one wide receiver, who is it? Alan Lazard. Is he playing? Yes. Okay. Tampa Bay Buccaneers one a wide receiver, who is it? Number one wide receiver, Mike Evans. Is he playing? No. Okay. Tampa Bay's number two wide receiver, Julio Jones. Is he going to be playing? Doesn't seem like it. He might, but I don't think so. Buccaneers number three wide receiver, Chris Godwin. Is he playing? No, he's not. Again, I'm not going to sit here and say that there aren't good legitimate excuses for picking the Buccaneer. I'm just so tired of how many stupid ridiculous reasons people give well that that uh tampa bay secondary is looking scary against that uh packers lack of wide receiver weapons um excuse me excuse me question you said good secondary against lack of wide receiver weapons is that is that what are you talking about the packers or the buccaneers because it applies to both that's not advantage buccaneers what are you talking about you had i think it was chris sims Talking about the game, look, I don't know. I think this is going to be a game that comes down to running the football. And I think the, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are really going to lean on Fournette. Yeah, that's probably true. But you've got the Packers with elite running backs and the Buccaneers with Fournette. Yeah, but you're not going to be able to run. This is what Chris Sims said this. You're not going to be able to run against Tampa's defense. Says who? They're 19th in yards per attempt. 19th. I mean, look, if you just want to say, I don't know, I got a gut feeling, that's fine. I get it. I got a bad gut feeling too. But don't try to justify your gut feeling based on stupid nonsense. Well, the Packers, they just, you know, when, when things go south and they don't have their guys, things just don't go well. Okay, back that one up. Arizona? 
Didn't we have all three wide receivers missing in that game against Arizona and probably a bunch of other players too? Still won the game, didn't we? And that was undefeated Arizona Cardinals. You mean those kinds of games are the ones? And, and how about Tom Brady, by the way? When the chips are down, Tom Brady comes through. When are the chips ever down for Tom Brady? When does he ever have to operate with this? You know, this guy in Tampa Bay has had like three elite wide receivers and an elite offensive line his entire time in Tampa. And we're going to pretend like, well, when the chips are down, Tom Brady really comes through. The chips are not down for him. For the first time probably in the entire history of Aaron Rodgers' career, he has a better defense than Tom Brady does. And barely. And maybe. (laughs) But it's not clearly better offensive line, better wide receivers, and better defense like it was the last time they met. Because that's what it was. And I'm sorry, but I've watched Tom Brady play. I've seen him throw ducks up in the air. In fact, the last time we played them in the playoff, I had to watch him throw balls up in the air that should have been picked off that landed on the ground. So, you know, this idea of Tom Brady being this perfect quarterback that doesn't make mistakes is silly. He better be on his P's and Q's as well. And we talk about things being equal, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady being kind of like on the same level and all that kind of stuff. Are they, though? Are they playing at the same level? I've told you Aaron Rodgers was a concern in how he was going to perform, and he's looked lights out. And I have data to back that up. Do you know how many of Aaron Rodgers' passes have been catchable through, through, through two weeks? 92.2% of the time when he throws a pass, it's a catchable ball. That is number one in the NFL. Only three quarterbacks are in the 90s. Tua, Jalen Hurts, and Aaron Rodgers. That has nothing to do with pressure. That's not win clean. That's every single time you throw the ball, whether you're under pressure, whether you're rolling out, whether you're running for your life, it doesn't matter how many times. 92.2% Aaron Rodgers, number one. You know where Tom Brady is? You know where he is? 18th, 83.3%. How about on target? We're talking real accuracy here. Hitting the guy in stride, getting him right in the hands. Aaron Rodgers is fourth. 84.3% of his passes are right on target. Tom Brady is 17th. 71.7% of his passes are right on target. They're not the same guy. By the way, Kirk Cousins is seventh. Kirk Cousins is a more accurate, and and as far as I'm concerned, I know it was a bad showing on Monday night and all that stuff. Kirk Cousins is a better quarterback than Tom Brady. You want to talk about a guy that that has real, real superior accuracy with real, real elite weapons? Give me the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense over the Kirk Cousins Vikings offense 10 times out of 10. Unless, you know, that one of those 10 happens to be maybe on a Monday night. I don't know. I thought he was over that whole thing. You know, people talk about, well, he's he's two and ten. Yeah, I think two are like his last two. So I thought he got over the hump, but that was pretty, pretty abysmal this past showing. You want to know something else? According to this, and also even PFF says he hasn't been under pressure very much. Do you know, according to SIS, he has been pressured the least in the NFL? Tom Brady has been pressured the least, 15.6% of his dropback. So this is what Tom Brady has been doing in the NFL with Mike Evans, with Julio Jones and Chris Godwin, Brashad Perriman, Scotty Miller, Kate Otten, and no pressure. We are taking away his weapons, and I promise you he's going to have pressure in his face more than 15.6% of the time. And you want to take Tom Brady over Aaron Rodgers? You can. You might want to think about it. So I, again, and Tom Brady, he's extremely smart. I think he still has arm strength. His, his deep ball is, there's no issue. Statistically, grade-wise, nothing's wrong with his deep ball. Right? All that's on point. But if you've got Aaron Rodgers, who's been sacked as much or more than everybody else in the NFL, 
with rookie wide receivers who are going into week three and getting a little bit better every week, with Alan Lazard coming back into week two, with Elton Jenkins coming back for his second week when he was a little rusty in, in his first week back, that guy dealing with that group, the group that's going to get better with time, that Aaron Rodgers is on the same level as Tom Brady, who kind of peaked, right? He peaked like week one, which was a terrible peak, but at least you had Julio Jones, you had Mike Evans, you had your whole crew there. By the way, he lost his, his left tackle. I mean, he, he, he already lost his left tackle. He lost his other left tackle, and the, the first left tackle is not coming back. So that's, that's a very serious situation. Here's something else to consider. Did you know Tom Brady actually is third in the NFL right now in average throw depth? 9.9 yards. Only Jameis Winston and Lamar Jackson throw the ball deeper than Tom Brady does. Again, how does pressure impact that? I'm just asking questions. So again, I understand all the stuff about Aaron Rodgers, Florida, Tampa, the whole nine yards. I get all that. But if we're actually going to use our head and analyze the information and say, who's in a worse situation compared to what we've seen? Because if we're comparing week one and two Packers to week one and two Bucks and looking at the changes that have taken place, for example, the growth in the Green Bay Packers offense and defense from week one to two, and you can say, well, that's because of the Bears. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Even still, holding a team to that few points, regardless of how bad the team, is not easy to do. But okay, being number one in pressures in the NFL despite blitzing zero times. Okay, I guess you don't need to give us any credit for that. But again, if we're just being honest, who is going into a worse situation in week three compared to what they face the rest of the year, right? So again, we're looking at a snapshot. So far this year, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers have produced about the same. And I know this game is about more than just that, but let's look at that. Who's going to struggle this week more than they have the last two weeks? Who do you dock? You know, let's say both of them are seven. If Aaron Rodgers it was, not even, let's, let's say they've been, you know, sixes. If Aaron Rodgers grades out at a six out of 10, what do you think he is in this game? Well, you got Elton, who I think is going to play better. You lost Sammy. You get Lazard back for a second week, so hopefully knocked off a little bit more rust. Another week of growth from the rookies. Maybe not much of a boost there, but somewhat of a boost. I would say you stay at about a six, just based on you know your own team and, and your own team situation. What about Tom? This is the worst wide receiver situation he's been in. Worst tight end situation he's been in. Worst offensive line situation he's been in. I think he goes back a little. If he's been a six, you got to at least bring him down to a five. And as much as nobody wants to give the Packers any credit and say that this is the worst or the, the toughest defense the Packers are going to see maybe this year, but certainly throughout this season, I promise you, as much as you may respect the Dallas defense, which is a joke, or the uh, Saints defense, they don't have what the Packers have. They don't have the pass rush. They don't have the the, the coverage ability. So just... I just want people to stop saying stupid stuff. I don't, I, I, I'm dead serious. I don't have an issue with picking Tampa. If you, if you put a gun to my head and said, pick the right team, I might spit out Tampa because it just feels that way. I, I get it. It's a, it's a gut thing. You look at history, you look at certain things. I get it. But don't say stupid stuff. Don't tell me about things from five years ago. Don't tell me about 2017 Tom Brady or whatever version of Tom Brady you think this is. Don't tell me about the week one and two wide receivers and, and how great the passing offense has looked, you absolute morons. The passing offense isn't going to stay the same if you don't have any of your wide receivers, for crying out loud. By the way, the, the offense has been terrible. They rank 18th in points and 24th in yards. And again, yeah, 
they they love to pump up the the coverage defense and i'm telling you it's a it's a good unit but yeah you're gonna look real good when Jameis winston lays up three eggs for you to just go grab i'm sorry i don't give you credit for that between the three interceptions that happened um for the against the saints for the tampa bay buccaneers and the one that Jair caught, guess which one was the most impressive of those four? It was Jair's pick. Because that was a pass thrown to an open receiver, and Jair picked it off. That's not the case for any of those Tampa Bay turnovers. Again, they're good, but just, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't get it. And you know, honestly, this is probably how I sound when I talk about teams that I don't super pay attention to, but this is a Packers podcast. If I wanted this to be an NFL podcast, I'd be putting a lot more time into studying those other teams. You know how much time I put into studying per game? However long it takes me to talk about it and then add like three minutes into it. There's a couple key components I'm going to look at. I'm going to look at grades. I'm going to look at matchups. It's going to take me three minutes to go over everything. It's probably a little bit more than that, but it, it's, it's not much. These guys are actually, quote unquote, watching the tape. I mean, they're watch, certainly watching all the games. They've got people that work for them. They got staffs. They got all this stuff. And good Lord. Stuff is basic. And even here, here's the thing. Even if you want to say we have to just completely forget about these two weeks, and, and this is going to be my, my whole thought process when I go through and make all these picks after the break and everything else. Just completely forget everything you know or think you learned from the past two weeks because the overreactions are so absurd. It just obscures everything to the point where it's, it's more useful to just look at what we thought we knew prior to the season than it is to look at the information we've learned since. But okay, let's wipe out 2022 and just look at 2021 and say that's the team we're going up against. Okay, you know what that team is? Number four pass defense seems legit in terms of net yards per attempt. Number five pass offense, it absolutely will not be because Tom Brady's having a, a down year, which we can disregard that, but all when all the weapons are gone and your number one safety valve, Gronkowski's gone, fine, at full strength, you're, you're a top 10 passing offense. You're not at full strength, so you're not fifth. And then you know what they were last year on defense against the run? 15th. So when I tell you they're 19, well, that's, that's a small sample size. That doesn't count. Fine. Last year, over the entire season, they were 15th at 4.3 yards per attempt. They were also 15th running the ball at 4.3 yards per attempt. So they're not good at running. They're not good at stopping the run, despite the narrative from two years ago. They are a really solid coverage team. And... Um, Although they were a good passing team, I cannot grandfather that in, considering the current situation you're in. So right now, the only thing you are is a really good coverage team, which is exactly what I said coming into this. Even if we wipe out all the information from 2022, I'm still right. So it's not me overreacting to 2022 while they're better than than 19th. That's you holding on to narratives from two years ago, which we do all the time. You know, Leonard Fournette's a beast. Yeah, in college. <laughs> do you know what Leonard Fournette's grades and ranks over the year have been, years have been since 2017? 62 overall grade, ranking 45th. 71 overall grade, ranking 33rd. 64, ranking 47th. 65, ranking 47th. 75th, ranking 21st. So far this year, 56 overall grade, ranking 50th. His best year ever was 2021, when he was the 21st best. I know he went number four overall out of LSU. I get that. He's never lived up to the hype. He's super fast. He's super strong. He's all that. Hasn't really panned out, though. This is what I'm talking about with, with the narratives and Tom Brady. Everything we think we know about Tom Brady comes from what? 
last year? Okay. Are we making an allowance for the fact that his offensive line completely fell apart and all of his weapons are gone, and he seems to be struggling? Nah, it's just, it has nothing to do with the lack of offensive line or weapon. It has nothing to do with that. The fact that he hasn't thrown for this few yards since like 2014 through the first two weeks, that, that doesn't mean anything. Literally have people talking about Tampa's passing offense. <laughs> Jeez. Run defense. Since, which, you know, hasn't been a thing since 2020. Come on, guys. 2020 is a new year. We got to recalibrate here, right? I mean, you guys are fine doing it with the Packers. You're fine adjusting to what the Packers are. Well, Devontae's gone. How many times do we have to hear about that? They got no weapons. They got no... Well, wait a minute. Why can't we just pretend this is 2020 for the Packers? You know how good this passing offense is? You know we have the number one offense in both points and yards in the NFL? I mean, we don't, but we did in 2020. And since we can do that with the Bucs, why can't we do that with the Packers? The Bucs are the number one run defense, and we're the number one passing offense. Because we're just living in a fantasy world where it's 2020 all over again. Or we can acknowledge it's a new year and new teams with new players and new challenges and new injuries and new additions and subtractions and everything else and reevaluate what things are for what they are and try to go from there. But no, we want to sit here and talk about Aaron Rodgers' history in Florida, which dates back to 2008, as though 2008 and 2009, which I think are three of these games, uh, accounts for anything. Three games in Florida were in 2008 and 2009. How does that impact your thinking? Why does that matter more to you than the fact that Tom Brady just lost his left tackle? I have heard nobody talk about that. Everybody's talking about Florida for, Tom, for Aaron Rodgers. If you want to say it's a factor, fine. There's some mythical thing about Rodgers crossing the border down into Florida where he just falls apart, which, again, doesn't explain how the rest of the team falls apart but or their, their impact in those games and how you can't just chalk it up to heat because, you know, again, teams like Buffalo do very well in the heat. We don't have to recap that whole thing. So... Anyways, again, that's, that's my, my rant. You can, you can say whatever you want. Just, just be correct about your points that you're making, and then collect whatever points you want to say that these are the things that I've gathered to come to my conclusion. These are the things I think are most important. But at least make those things true. The Packers are not going up against one of the best run defenses in the league. They're not. That's not a factor that you get to incorporate into this. Tampa Bay's run defense is better than the Packers? Yeah, probably but they're not even top half in the NFL. So um, we'll run through here really quickly on, on the way through the games. And I will give a, uh, I already gave a score prediction, so I may not do that again unless I have a change of heart of some kind, but just kind of cover the points and spread and all that stuff. Um, we'll take a break. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you'd like to support the podcast. If you're interested in supporting Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry, you can find links uh, at the top of my Twitter as well as the top of the Packernet Podcast Facebook group, or just visit FertileGroundRanch.org for more details. We'll take a break, and we'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. 
Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Alrighty, daddy. First of all, I'm curious, because I haven't even looked at it, how horrible of a job I did last week with um, looking at who I thought would win what games. Dolphins-Ravens, I was wrong. Granted, I should not have been wrong. Sounds like the Ravens had it pretty well locked up. Dolphins made some kind of a magical comeback, which was predicated on the Ravens just deciding to allow guys to run right past them, because it sounds like I didn't watch it. Tua threw a bunch of wide-open receivers. But anyways, I'll, I'll take the L, because, you know, that's what it is. The Jets beat the Browns. Again, got it wrong, which is disappointing because I've been on the Jets have a better team than you think bandwagon for a long time, so I don't know what my problem is there. Lions Commanders. Lions won. I had them losing by one point. And by the way, I didn't learn my lesson because there's almost no chance I'm picking the Lions against the Vikings, but 0 for 3. Colts Jaguars, I got very wrong. I said the Colts were going to blow out the Jaguars. The Jaguars blew out the Colts. And then I picked the Saints to beat the Bucks, which again, I should have had that right, but the stupid Buccaneers came back because the stupid Saints decided to get into a stupid fight and then throw three interceptions because they're a bunch of morons. And Jameis is an idiot, and I can't stand that guy. Why is he so bad at football? I don't understand. I'm sorry. I shouldn't be so mean. That's not fair. He's a great, probably, he's not a great human being, but he's probably fine at stuff. Anyways, it wasn't all bad. I did have the Giants beating the Panthers, and they did that. I had the Patriots beating the Steelers in a low-scoring game. Uh, I had them winning by three, and that's what they did. Had the Rams beating the Falcons, uh, which was pretty obvious, but they did, and by kind of a lot. Well, I had it by a lot. It wasn't actually that by that much. 49ers Seahawks, for some reason, was supposed to be a close game. I had the 49ers blowing them out, and they did. Um, I had it 28-16. It was 27-7, so I uh, somehow underestimated, or oh, excuse me, overestimated the Seahawks. I had the Broncos over the Texans, which it was, in a pretty low-scoring game, although I had the Broncos scoring more. Packers over the Bears, which it was. Bills beating up on the Titans. And then I did eventually change my mind. Once I looked at it, I had the Eagles beating the Vikings 34-26. to It was 24-7, but a beating nonetheless. So um, pretty rough start, but I think I, I think I recovered. I don't know what the total is on that, but, you know, it is what it is. Anyways, right out of the gate, Kansas City and the Indianapolis Colts. I'm torn on this for a couple reasons. Number one is I think the Colts are being underestimated and the Chiefs are being overestimated. That isn't to say, and this is the problem, that isn't to say that the Chiefs are bad and the Colts are good. That's just that people are treating the Colts like they're the worst team in all of history and the Chiefs are like this massive powerhouse that is second only to the Bills, and I don't think that's true at all. I know it's going to sound like I'm full of it because I'm always low on the Chiefs and all that, but The reality is the Arizona Cardinals were trotting out, I don't even know what. They didn't have anybody playing in that game. Chiefs still put up to 44, good for them. And they also absolutely should have lost to the Chargers. Now, shoulda, woulda, coulda, whatever, doesn't matter. Plus, the Chargers always play them kind of close. I think usually actually win, but... So, I'm I'm, I'm taking the Chiefs to beat the Colts. But I just want it known (laughs) that I don't think the Chiefs are nearly as good as everybody says. 
And depending on how much of the anti-Colts uh, rhetoric you're buying into, I don't know if I buy that either. The reality is, this is a pretty good Colts team. Well, good Colts defense. Pretty good defensive front, some good corners, decent linebackers. The problem is Matt Ryan's playing like garbage behind a bad offensive line with no real wide receiver weapons. And for some reason, uh, Jonathan Taylor is grading out horribly. I know he's getting a ton of snaps and, and yards and everything, so it doesn't look that bad. But underneath the surface, and this is important, it's the same thing I said about like Zadarius and other guys where the stats seem to be in line, so everybody says everything's fine. Something is very wrong. His grades over three years, 80, 87, 68 through two weeks. And I would guess the poor offensive line and everything else, although that shouldn't factor into his production, it's going to. It's hard to have a bunch of broken tackles if you're not getting into the backfield or into the, the what, what is the, not the backfield, the other thing, the other side of the field, the front field. <laughs> I don't know. The bottom line is the Colts are kind of a disaster. So I do think the Chiefs are going to win, and it's probably going to be by a pretty decent chunk just because we're going to keep on with these narratives despite the fact that I'd like to, I just, I'd like to say that I don't think they're that good. But they're going to sort of prove me wrong. But um, the Colts' defense also, although they haven't played anybody, 20 points and then 24 points to Jacksonville. There's also, isn't there that weird thing with like Indy can't beat Jacksonville kind of thing? So I, I think the, well, let's see what it says. The market has the Chiefs at minus five and a half. The over-under is at 50. I was going to say I bet it's under, but that would be, no, I, I, I am going to put it under. I don't think the Chiefs score quite as many points as, I'm going to say 27-17 Chiefs. So that would be over on the Chiefs, or take the Chiefs at minus five and a half, and under 50 and a half. Baltimore and New England. So here's something to think about. First of all, I think, as I've said, Baltimore is pretty overrated. I, th- I think Lamar in general is, is massively overrated, and that has to do with everybody being infatuated with mobile quarterbacks. Anyways, yes, they technically have the number four offense. That's because they put up 38 on Miami. They only put up 24 on the Jets the week prior. This is New England. New England is known for having really good defenses, correct? New England has only given up 20 points to Miami and 14 points to the Steelers. I don't think Baltimore runs up the score on them. Something else to keep in mind here with New England, bad as the offense has looked and all that stuff, and I, and I believe that that's a real thing. Both of the games for New England so far have been on the road. This next game is at home. If you look at how that impacted this team with Mac Jones and the whole crew, the highest point total they had on the road last year was 27 points. If you look at it in total, 17, 24, 17, 14, 25, 24, 27, 25, 25, very consistently boring average garbage. The road, they had a bunch well, but they also had some pretty big games. 29 against Dallas, 36 against Tennessee, 45 against Cleveland, 50 against Jacksonville, and 54 points against the Jets. Here's what else is somewhat interesting. And I'm not a big, you know, history person because these are all different teams. You're talking about Tom Brady and all that stuff. Um, In the last five meetings, the uh, Baltimore Ravens have beat the Patriots once, and that was in Baltimore. They beat them 37 to 20. That was in 2019. The last time they played Baltimore was in New England. They lost 23-17. The time before was in New England, they lost 30-23. to 23. The time before that was in New England, they lost 35-31. So, I mean, it, the time before that was actually in Baltimore, and, and New England still won. But the last four meetings, the home team won. Three of those four happened to be in New England. This one is in New England. I know this is Mac Jones, and I know the offense is struggling, but we saw Mac Jones in this offense put up 50 and 54 points. With Mac Jones last year, 
in Foxborough. Not saying I expect 50 points, and this is one of those where you're, you're overthinking it and you're probably going to look stupid. I'm going to pick the Patriots. This is, uh, this is me just going in blind. I think the, uh, the Ravens have a better team, but I think it's just one of those weird AFC Bill Belichick at home in Foxborough games that ends up going in the favor of the Patriots. Um, as far as the score, I think a lot of it's going to have to come down to uh, the Patriots' defense. So I'm going to say Ravens, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to get crazy with it because it's already kind of a ridiculous bet, but I'll say 20 to 23 Patriots. Houston and Chicago is going to be a fun one. And the, the funny thing about this is, as much as I want to bet against Chicago and I want them to look like garbage, you're kind of betting against the Packers too. If the Bears blow up, the offense tears up the Texans, that makes the Packers' defense look better. Because right now, everybody's saying the Packers' defense was garbage in week one, and then they sort of bounced back, but it was the Bears. What do you expect? And so if the Bears lay an egg and they look like garbage against the Texans, that doesn't say very much about our defense. Now, granted, we got this Bucks game coming up, which will be able to speak for itself, but there is that element. But right now, um, I, I don't know. I guess it depends who you ask, but for the most part, most people are saying the Texans are the worst team in football, therefore the Bears should win. The real funny thing is they're, they're saying, well, at least the Bears, I saw somebody said at least the, I think it was, uh, who did I just make fun of? Anyways, it doesn't matter. At least the Bears have Justin Fields. I'm pretty sure Justin Fields is the second best quarterback in this game. And I'm not going to waste a bunch of time going through all the different stats and the grades. Just that's what it is through two weeks. We'll see what it ends up being. It's funny to me how everybody's been pumping up this Davis Mills or whatever the heck the guy's name is all the while. He's, he's this great this, that, or the other. And Justin Fields has obviously been playing terrible. And now they're going head to head and everyone's like, Pfft. I mean, at least Fields is good. Davis Mills is like, well, wait, wait a minute. I thought Mills was like the real deal and Fields was a complete joke. 33rd, uh, 33rd out of 33 quarterbacks and whatnot. Maybe not. I don't know. That's, uh, that's a big my bad. Shows what I know. But I really hope I get to watch this game tomorrow because this is going to be so much fun. I mean, don't get me wrong. Minnesota-Detroit is going to be glorious. Shockingly, one of the more uh, consequential games <laughs> of the season. At least as far as like trying to figure out what the heck is going on in the NFL right now. But um, yeah, man, I mean, the Bears offense we know sucks. The Texans don't have much, but they got Jerry Hughes, who is in Buffalo, who is still an elite pass rusher, ranked number four overall in the NFL. So they're still going to have to deal with that on top of just trying to figure out how to do football and everything. And, and again, you want to talk about, here's the thing, the overreactions. As I said, the overreactions, we've overreacted to the overreactions. We're underreacting to the... I, I, everything is out of control. David Montgomery had a good game last week, and he's a good running back, but we're going to try to pretend like that's what he is now. Just like with Justin Jefferson, like that's just what he is. And then what happened the very next week? The dude did jack squat. Same with Devontae. Guy blows up, and we're going to have this. We're gonna have the graphic up about how he's better than the entire wide receiver group for the Packers and all that stuff. The next week, it's gone, and we pretend it didn't happen. Justin Jefferson breaks, you know, he's the greatest this, that, or the other, and the next week he gets completely shut down and we just stop talking about it. Montgomery had a great game against the Packers. Why? Because the Packers can't tackle. They were horrible tackling. Montgomery is what Montgomery is. He ain't that, and he ain't going to be that again. And Lovey Smith and the Houston Texans are not going to be a team that's going to let them just do that. They're going to have to throw the ball, and they're going to be more successful against the Texans, at least you would assume, than they were against the Packers. They're not going to do that again on the ground. That ain't going to happen. I think the biggest discrepancy in this game, though, is is not only do I think the Texans' defense is marginally better than the Bears' offense, especially when you consider worst quarterback in the NFL, the Texans' offense is significantly better than the Bears' defense. Jalen Johnson is currently graded as the fourth-best corner. That's great. Eddie Jackson is, is at least a starter. Nobody else on this team is good at anything. 
you have Mills behind a pretty decent offensive line. One of the better tackle units in football. Laramie Tunsil is still there. And Titus Howard is off to a great start at right tackle. Questenberry has a 66 overall grade at center, ranked 17th. And Can, AJ Can, is it? Yeah, AJ Can is at least a decent starter, ranked 23rd. That's going up against the Bears' defensive group, which uh, Al-Qadin Muhammad is ranked 78th, Quinn is ranked 63rd, Blackson is ranked 108th out of 108, and um, our buddy Justin Jones is ranked 81st. They suck. By the way, their rookie running back, Damian Pierce, is kind of tearing it up right now. So Mills is going to be throwing to Brandon Cooks, who's a very good wide receiver. They got Nico Collins there. They certainly have, so they have a better quarterback. They have better wide receivers. They have a better offensive line. They have at least as good of a running back, I would say. I know nobody's going to admit that because Montgomery had one good week, and now we have to pretend that he's like peak Adrian Peterson or something. The Bears, you could maybe say, have better corners, aside from the fact that they have, aside from Jalen Johnson, maybe the worst corner in the entire NFL. (laughs) The Texans have better defensive tackles, they have better edge rushers, they have better linebackers, and the safeties are maybe a push. You can give it to the Bears if you want. I'm sorry, I kind of think the Texans are a little better. And this whole thing where we just pretend like the first two weeks of the season are a complete, like, like don't mean anything. I'll, I'll grant you that it's not going to stay this bad forever, but the Bears only passed for more yards than they rushed for once, which is 50% of the time, I'll grant you that, but it was only by six yards. Week one, they passed for 105 yards, ran for 99. The next week, 180 yards rushing and 48 yards passing. 105 yards passing is the most they've been able to muster. This is a disaster. They are dead last as far as their their offensive production. When you look at offensive yards gained, dead last. And the, the Texans have given up a lot of yards. They rank 31st, but they're ninth in points. The problem for the Bears is that they don't get a lot of yards, and they certainly don't know how to capitalize on anything because that would include sustained drives and doing something more than running the ball, which they can't do. So the Texans, who have not given up a lot of points, are going up against a team that doesn't score a lot of points. I I mean, the the, the game is a joke, and again, I really hope I get to watch it, because it's going to be hilarious. It's it's actually going to be probably pretty similar to the Bears 49ers game, where it was just... There is is a part of me, by the way, that thinks that this is going to end up being like a 35-42 to to game (laughs) somehow, but um, no, probably not. Bears minus three, over-under is set at 39. Yeesh. I mean, to be fair, these are maybe the worst defenses that either team has played this year. So if if, if either team is going to have a good game, this is going to be it. Then again, if either defense is going to have a good game, this would be it too. But still, clearly the Texans' defense is not up to the same standard as the Packers or the 49ers. So I wouldn't mind giving them maybe getting to, to 20 in this game. Texans already got to 20 against the Colts. I'm going to go 22-13 Texans. I'm setting myself up for failure on this one, but I'm, I'm, just, I'm just enjoying one last dig at the Bears before the game actually starts. Tennessee Raiders, you got two 0-2 teams going against each other. Tennessee, like I said, they're a shell of their former selves, man. Ten- Tannehill isn't able to operate because, I mean, he was great as long as he had his wide receivers and his offensive line and his running back, and he just has none of that. I mean, Derrick Henry's not playing well. The offensive line is just not good. There's no wide receivers. Although Traylon Burks is actually doing quite well. He's the sixth highest graded wide receiver. All that trash talk about Traylon, he's actually doing pretty well. The fact of the matter is, I think the, the Raiders are the team that's underperforming the most, and, and that's because Derek Carr. Derek Carr has always been somewhat of an underrated quarterback. He's playing right now like everyone's always thought he played. 
The worst year of his entire career was 2017. He ranked 22nd with a 68 overall grade. He currently is ranked 31st with a 47 overall grade. I don't know if he's just playing the whole, I want to chuck it to Devontae 24 hours a day game and it's really hurting him or what, but this should change. Derek Carr should be better. He's got Waller. He's got Devontae. They've got Jacobs. They've got the weapons to make this thing work. Carr needs to figure out how to make it work. It's in Tennessee, which does suck. But, you know, again, the reality is Carr has played terribly, and they've actually played two pretty close games against two pretty tough opponents. You've got the Chargers, who are a very good divisional team, and that was on the road, and they lost that by just five points, 19 to 24. The next game was against the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, this was at home, 23-29, to 29, and that was an overtime loss. So that was another really close game. And they still have, again, you're, the most important person on your team is going to get significantly better over the course of this year. And they haven't figured out how to rightfully incorporate Devontae Adams, who is one of the most lethal weapons in this entire league. So, yeah, give me the Raiders. Um, I guess the one thing that would be a complication here is that their coach is completely inept, and I have no idea why they hired him. But we'll kind of leave that alone for now, and I'll stick with my see. And see now, I'm now I'm second guessing myself because you got Mike Vrabel um, going up against Josh McDaniels, and it just feels wrong to take Josh McDaniels when when one of these teams is going to go zero and three. Is it going to be Mike McDaniels as this thing implodes, and we start talking about how terrible this whole thing? Man, now I'm now I'm really second guessing myself. Vrabel is going to go to zero and three, and not McDaniels. I don't know, man. At home, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with it. I mean, they were, they were also close week one, but that's the Giants. And the Buffalo Bills made you look stupid. And I know it's the Bills, but still, you look stupid. Oh, boy. I think they both bounce back a little bit. I don't really like either defense as far as points go. I think they both score the most that they've scored all year, which isn't a high bar. Tennessee's highest is 20. But I'll say 24-21 Raiders. Slightly more points than, than they've each had. Buffalo and Miami, it's it's a simple one. I'm taking Buffalo, even though I think we're probably hyping up Buffalo a little bit too much. Obviously, they're a very good football team. I don't think that they're, you know, 41 to 7 every week good football team, but still a very good football team. Um I mean they're 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 due for a come down to earth moment, and it's a divisional game, so you could say that's it. But 31-10, 41-7, and I think again, Miami kind of got bailed out last week. I know Buffalo also they did lose. Uh, Micah Hyde. So now you're looking at safeties and all that stuff. But um, I don't know, man. They they gave up 38 to the Ravens before they had their miracle comeback. I I just I'm going Buffalo here. Um, I do think it's going to be a little bit different. Again, it's a divisional game and all that, so those things are always a little bit wonky. But um, I'm gonna say 28 21 Bills. Detroit Minnesota is is going to be my my poster boy for we need to just slow down with the overreactions. Um, and maybe I'm wrong, but we, we've we gotten to the point where we look at week two and say, well, first of all, there's this thing where we pretend that this makes sense, where we say, well, the Lions almost beat the Eagles and the Eagles embarrassed the Vikings, therefore the Lions are better than the Vikings. No, they're not. The Lions are a team that has a, again, a formidable offense. I, I think somehow they're overperforming even their own talent level on offense, but you know they've done it two weeks in a row, so you got to give them the credit that's due. They still have a terrible defense. Even Aiden Hutchinson has a 58 overall grade right now. His pass rush, he's graded 84th out of 86. Now he's he's got he's he's basically Rashawn Gary. He's going to get stats because he's a freak athlete. But until he kind of hones in, remember the grades are more or less uh, consistency metrics. 
there's going to be issues there. So it's still the same defense that we thought it is with, with a slight improvement at the DBs. Well, I, I guess it's slight improvement everywhere. They, the, it's not the worst defensive tackles in football, but it's still a bad defensive line, bad linebackers, and then um, Okuda is performing better than expected with a, you know, basically average grade. Mike Hughes is basically average. Will Harris is playing fairly decent at corner. But I, 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 I just think this is a massive bounce back. I, I think the, again, I thought the, the Vikings offense thing was overhyped but only because everybody was saying this is going to be the greatest offense we've ever seen. I still think it's one of the better offenses in football. Kirk Cousins is better than what we saw last week. He was graded as one of the best quarterbacks in football last year. He's one of the best quarterbacks in football after week one, and now he dropped to 15th because of a clunker on Monday night. Adam Thielen is ranked 77th. That ain't going to stay that way. Justin Jefferson is fifth. I think that goes up. The offensive line is graded lower than, than usual, like uh, Darisaw took a major step back so far from his rookie year. I don't think that stays that way. Ezra Cleveland is performing at a lower level. Bottom line is, looking at last week is a bad idea. Looking at week one isn't a great idea either, because then you maybe overestimate, although again, the points aren't all that high. But I just think that this is by far the easiest defense that they're going to see. The Eagles defense has some real solid DBs and some good defensive linemen and all that stuff. You know, Edwards at linebacker. The Lions don't have any of that, and I think the the Vikings are going to carve that up. And and I, and it, you know somebody else had brought up a stat about Kirk Cousins and and his first of all non his record is pretty great, but then when you look at how bad he is on on Monday night or whatever, that just goes to show that on like noon games the guy is basically unstoppable. But also there's a stat out there, and I don't remember what it is, but after a loss he is just a freak. He comes back real hot and heavy. And so then you look at just massively overinflating what we think of the Detroit Lions right now. The reality is Jared Goff is still a bad quarterback. DeAndre Swift went off and is the fifth highest. They're overperforming. He's not that good. Chark is ranked 81st. Hawkinson is ranked 26th. Goff is ranked 27th. Frank Ragnow is 30th out of 35, which, yeah, you're going to expect to bounce back from that, but he's not performing very well. Logan Sternberg is a terrible, terrible interior offensive lineman. They got a guy by the name of Skipper playing left guard. I have no idea why. Somebody's obviously hurt. So I I would be concerned about the Vikings pass rush because although they have really good tackles, the interior is a big question mark, including Ragnow for some reason. I don't, I don't, I don't believe in the Vikings defense very much, but, but it's not that good of a group. I mean, it's Amon Ross St. Brown by himself, along with a couple tackles and Goff operating in the backfield with a little bit of time because of that. I think this ends up being very similar to what we saw in the Eagles game. I think the Vikings are going to take a lead. I think they're going to extend that lead. They're going to get a higher and higher score. And maybe the Vi- the Vikings give up some points. Because again, I don't really believe in their defense all that much. But I, 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 think the, I think they're going to beat the daylights out of the Lions. And if I'm wrong, then I'll have to reassess things. But I just I think we've gotten a little out of control with our assessment of the Vikings are, or, you know, the Vikings are not good and the Lions are suddenly a powerhouse. And- I mean, it's it's, a, it's again a very consequential game, but I, I think we've massively overhyped in, in the overcorrected based on week two. The Vikings are six point favorites in this game. I think that makes perfect sense, especially in Minneapolis. I mean, come on, a noon game in Minneapolis. The Lions are going to go in. They're going to get beat. Over under is at fifty two. So like a twenty three to thirty Vikings win is kind of how the uh, how Vegas is looking at this. I think it might be a little higher than that, but there's all again, there's a part of me that thinks that this whole Lions charade is about to fall off entirely, including the offense. 
but I'll I'll stick with giving them the credit that's due. I'm going to take the over on that. I'm going to say 35 to 27 Vikings. Bengals Jets is another massively important one because you know, do we take a step back, erase our memories and say, "Come on, it's the freaking Bengals against the Jets. This is obvious." Or do we actually start asking some questions? Because Joe Burrow right now is playing terribly because he cannot stand for more than three seconds because this is a garbage offensive line. Even Jamar Chase and Higgins are not really performing at a very high level, and it doesn't matter because the the Jets actually have one of the better DB groups in football with Sauce Gardner playing at a fairly high level, at least for a rookie with a 65 overall grade, and then Reed is the fifth highest graded corner in football. They've got a good defensive line. Safeties are a complete joke right now. I don't know what's going on with LaMarcus Joyner, although he well, hasn't been a thing since like 2015. But all you need is pass rush. And I think they have it. The Jets, that is. The crazy thing is, on the other side with Flacco, and I, and I know Flacco's massively over overinflated. He's currently the fourth highest graded, whatever. He's, he's on a roll. But still, I mean, he's, he's operating with a decent group here. The offensive line is kind of failing, but you've got some wide receivers. Garrett Wilson, the rookie, 77 overall grade. Um, Corey Davis is a good wide receiver. I don't know, man. All I can think is... I think I'm going to make this a reset game. And I probably did this last week with the Bengals too, which I ended up failing miserably on that. But there has to be a, there has to be a point where the Bengals course correct because they're not this bad. Joe Burrow and those wide receivers is one of the scariest offensive things in football. And it's the Jets. And really, if you look at the Jets, you had the offense was a complete failure week one, but the defense kind of held up. Week two, the... Defense was a complete failure, but the offense managed to put up 31 points against the Cleveland Browns. But they scored nine against Baltimore. It's crazy they've faced three AFC North opponents in a row. Ravens, Browns, Bengals, and then it's Steelers after that. That is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. I mean, if anything, the Jets have won one game because the Browns' defense completely imploded and gave up 31 to the Jets, who the week before gave up, scored nine points. So, and the Browns scored 30. The Ravens were able to get to 24. I actually think the Bengals are going to smoke them. I think this is another course correct game. I, I, again, I said this last week and I was wrong, but I'll say 24-30 Bengals. I'm tempted to make it like 30 to, you know what, maybe I will. I'm going to, I'm going to say 28-13. I'm going to dial it back a little bit on the Bengals, but I, I, I want the Jets lower. 28-13 Bengals over the Jets. Eagles commanders, uh, there's been a lot of respect being given to Washington, and I can't say that I completely understand why. Um... I've kind of been in on the Eagles since day one. I mean, Jalen Hurts has been the biggest question mark. He's ranked second in the NFL via PFF. Um, I think, you know, I don't know if I fully buy into the Jalen Hurts thing in, in terms of if you take him and move him to a different team, is he going to be as good? But who cares? Um, he's good where he is with a real good offensive line that lets him sit in the pocket all day long and with some really good wide receivers. So... um they can run the ball extremely well. Jalen Hurts is passing extremely well. To, you know, again, clean pocket, wide open, wide receivers. So what? And by the way, Jalen Hurts has the ability to take off and run. So there's pretty much nothing that they can't do, at least offensively. And I think the Washington defense kind of sucks. And the Eagles defense is pretty decent. And I don't like Carson Wentz with the. I mean, I I don't mind. Why? I just I Washington's stupid, man. I just, I, I hate even looking at them. <laughs> just so stupid. Team always sucks. So anyways, it's Eagles minus six and a half. Again, I don't know where people are kind of starting to think that this is not a blowout game. Some people are that way. 
47 and a half. The Washington defense has been sort of the biggest issue so far. The offense hasn't been the worst, I guess, but they've also played Jacksonville and Detroit. So whoop-dee-freaking-do. So I'm going to say it's uh, Eagles 28, Washington 19. And again, this is not what I'm rooting for. We want Washington to win because we don't need a powerhouse Philadelphia Eagles running through, you know, running rampant. It just is what it is. Uh, New Orleans, Carolina is interesting from the standpoint of, I think, I was kind of worried about New Orleans, but Jameis is not the answer. Now Jameis is hurt, which I don't know if that's better for them or worse for them. I have no idea, but Carolina is a joke. Their coach is on the verge of getting fired. Now there's like, (laughs) the big thing right now is you got a a guy on TV, and I know he's a former football player. I don't want to just make him out to be a, a TV personality, but he's calling him out saying like, you can clearly see whether it's going to be run or pass based on how they align Christian McCaffrey. And he's coming out and he's like, no, <laughs> Matt rule. The head coach is just like, no, I mean, we could do whatever we want whenever we want. We just didn't feel like it. And how do we get so many yards if they knew what we were doing? Well, that's because like two of those were like 80 yard runs. But anyways, Carolina's a joke. Baker is playing the worst ever. The, they don't have wide receivers. It's, it's Christian McCaffrey. I guess the offensive line isn't bad, but I don't know, man. It's just hard to bet on a team when, when all the, the errors are being taken out. You know, It's not just the lineup. It's the locker room. It's the coach. It's, it's even just the fans and everything. When the fans don't believe in the team and don't like the team. And you know the, the, there's pride in New Orleans. They take pride in their defense. They take pride in their team. I don't know if Jameis is playing or not, but doesn't really matter. They got three good wide receivers, a great offensive line, a decent tight end. They got Alvin Kamara in the backfield against a terrible defense. I mean, it's just, it's, it's Saints all day, dude. I, I just, you know, even if they throw three picks, they probably still win the game. But, you know, don't, because then I'm, you're going to make me look stupid. But 24-13, Saints win the game. Jacksonville and the Chargers is another one that feels like a massive overhype game for the Chargers, I, or the, excuse me, the, the Jaguars. I heard, um, I swear, I think it's the same guy, or maybe I'm just really mad at him for some reason, but I'm pretty positive all these horrible takes. It's Sims, Chris Sims. He's going on talking about this elite Jaguars defense that they got at at every level. They just got these great players, and he listed guys I've never heard of before. He mentioned Rayshon Jenkins at safety, who's ranked 64th out of 67th. Uh, Foyasade Alokun or something, he mentioned him. Never heard of him in my life. I'm not going to say it's a bad defense, but come on, man. This is, a, this is a team still just trying to figure out how to be a professional football team going up against Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, and Mike Williams. You know, I, I don't know. Then the flip side, there's just a massive amount of hype for Trevor Lawrence. He's playing way better than last year. And, and again, if any of those quarterbacks from that draft class are going to be the guy, why wouldn't it be Trevor Lawrence? But he's still just ranked 17th. You know, Christian Kirk, it, suddenly Christian Kirk is like this elite player. Like, oh, it finally, he, or maybe he just had like a couple good games and it's going to go back to normal. You know, they don't have a good offensive line, really. Um, Travis Etienne is still bad. I know they spent a bunch of money, but Scherf, who they got, is not playing very well. Um, Zay Jones has never been a good football player. Marvin Jones Jr. is Marvin Jones Jr. Uh, and they got to go up against Khalil Mack and uh, Joey Bosa and some pretty decent DBs. So yeah, I'm I'm saying Chargers got this one, and I'm not super uncomfortable with that. Chargers are only three-point favorites. It's in it's in LA too. I could see if it was in Jacksonville or something, but there, there is a massive amount of hype going for the Jaguars right now, which I guess I just don't get. 
I, I know there was the, I mean, the 24-0, it's, it's, an, it's a week two overreaction. They lost week one to the Commanders, who are a bad football team, and then blew out the Colts 24-0 after we already heard the thing about how the Colts cannot beat the Jaguars for some weird reason. I get it. That's impressive. I'm not buying in, especially against the Chargers, right? You lost to the Commanders on the road. You come home and pull off a, a, a giant win over the Colts, who are probably just a bad football team. And then we're going to go out to L.A. and play the charge. It's just, I'm sorry, no. And the offense, they, they scored 24 is the most they've scored. It's not a great offense. And the Chargers have been 24 points and then 24 points back-to-back. I think they kind of crack through that a little bit. So I'm going to say 30-20, Chargers win. Rams and Arizona Cardinals is a really, really big game, obviously. These are two NFC powerhouses, presumably. And I'm pretty torn on which direction to go. I um, I think I'm a Kyle Murray, Kyler Murray believer now. Again, last year he figured out the passing. This year he's you know he's leaning more on the run than on the pass, which is why people are back on the Kyler Murray train because last year he was boring and didn't run very well. But last year was his most impressive year by far as a thrower. But um, I like it, man. I like Kyler Murray. I just don't know about the defense. I I don't know. I don't know if this is two really, really good teams going at each other or two overrated teams that aren't actually that good going at each other. I don't know what this is. I mean, Stafford isn't that good. The offensive line isn't playing that good. I mean, Cooper Cup is like the only thing on this offense worth a darn. But the Cardinals defense just sucks. I like Murray. I like the offensive line. The wide receivers are not that good, you know, not that great. Um, then you got the Rams defense, which is massively overrated. But they've got pieces. Obviously, Aaron Donald. They got the linebackers. They got... Uh, Wagner's there. Jalen is there. He's having a rough, rough start, but I don't know, man. And it's in Arizona. If it was in LA, I would have just said, you know, what, I'm going to give it to him because it's, it's a, it's a home game. Ah. I'll say this, the Rams, uh, the Rams kind of have their number over the years. Um, geez, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. In their last 11 meetings, Cardinals have won one in 11 meetings. That's going back to 2017. So there you have it. I'm going to say it's uh, 30 to 28 Rams. Seattle and Atlanta, I mean, who cares? Seattle is a complete joke. The Falcons are kind of like the Lions at this point. They're a really terrible roster that's got some fight, and they've got this passion that kind of came out of nowhere. I don't really know where it came from, but um, I mean, the whole thing with Seattle is predicated on Geno Smith continuing to be a top 10 quarterback, and I don't think that's going to happen. Although, against the Falcons' defense, it's entirely possible. But Seattle's defense is probably the worst in all of football, with the exception of Uchenna Nuosu, who's the only guy, like, doing anything. But, like, horrifically bad. Just the corners, the defensive line, the linebackers. Uh, Diggs at safety is is competent, but that's about it. And, you know, Mariota's mediocre. They got London. They got Kyle Pitts. Patterson somehow is, or, yeah, Patterson, the running back, is somehow suddenly a decent running back option. And so, you know, they they lost two games and it's on the road, but they also lost to the Saints and to the Rams. And they lost to the Saints by one point. They lost to the Rams by four points. Those are two pretty top tier, two probably playoff teams that they almost beat. Seattle beat barely the most pathetic Denver Broncos team I've ever seen in my life. The penalties were all over the place and they just couldn't do anything right. Uh, mistakes galore, and then San Francisco just made them look stupid, 27-7. to 7. So I think the Falcons continue that trend and make them look stupid. Um, the most points they've scored all year was 17. I don't know if they even get to that, despite the fact that this is a terrible defense in Atlanta. 
But again, they scored 26 against the Saints, 27 against the Rams. Those are two good defenses. I don't know that the Falcons don't kind of... I mean, they've got the number nine overall (laughs) offense, a top 10 offense against two solid defenses. So they're clearly getting to 30 in my mind against what is probably the worst defense in the NFL. I'm trying to figure out if the Seahawks get to 20. I'll say they do because it turns into kind of a shootout game. Um, So that'll give them some opportunities to put some points on the board. I'll say 33 to 20. Falcons win. And then one of the craziest games this entire week is San Francisco and Denver because I don't understand this at all. I don't get it. And I've even watched some videos on it and people that have seen it have no idea what the heck is going on here. How does San Francisco not just smash Denver into oblivion? I, I think I think there's a lot of wrong assumptions here. Number one is Jimmy Garoppolo is a bad quarterback. And maybe even some people thought they were better with Trey Lance. You know, the 49ers lost their starting quarterback is, is maybe the, the, the blind thing here. But the San Francisco 49ers were going to win like four games with Trey Lance. And now they're probably going to go to the playoffs with Jimmy Garoppolo. Denver is a joke. And if we're going to sit here and try to hype up this Denver defense because they held this garbage Seahawks team to 17 and this garbage Houston team to nine, I'm sorry. You've scored 16 points against, again, one of the worst defenses in Seattle and one of the other worst defenses in Houston. Your offense is pathetic. If you can only get to 16 against the Seahawks and the Texans, what are you going to do against the 49ers? You could say, well, you know, Russ has some familiarity with the 49ers or whatever. He played Seattle. He doesn't understand Seattle. And granted, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that this is the, you know, elite San Francisco 49ers defense of old, but certainly good enough with Bosa and, and Armstead and Warner. I mean, it's Jimmy Garoppolo behind a great offensive line with Kittle and Ayuk and Debo Samuel. Come on now, guys. A point and a half favorites? What the heck am I missing here? I'm obviously missing something. I just don't know what it could possibly be. I know it's in Denver, but so what? And PFF is even more so on Denver's side. They have it at 0.8 point favorites for San Francisco. I'm, I'm at a loss. The over-under is at 44, so basically they see this as kind of a 21-23 to 23 game. The only reason they could only get to 10 against Chicago is because it was Trey Lance, and it was raining. That's it. 27 against the Seahawks. I mean, okay, the offense isn't that good or whatever, I, if you say so. I think the 49ers embarrassed Denver. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I'm going to say 13 to 28 49ers. Until Russell Wilson can prove that he doesn't suck, that's just kind of what it is. Now, we'll leave the Monday night game alone, so that leaves us with Tampa Bay and Green Bay. We just got news. I've been waiting, chomping at the bit to say it, although I'm sure you already know. David Bakhtiari is expected to be back. Been saying, man, I had a feeling it sounds like he's going to play, but everyone's so pessimistic about it. I was like, well, I guess probably not. I don't know. And so here's what I'm going to do. Since David Bakhtiari's back... We're going we're gonna to just pump up the expectations here. I forget what I said yesterday, but it wasn't an official thing because I didn't have my spreadsheet out. I think I said something like 2320 or 20, something like that, 2320. David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins are back in this game. I think the run blocking has been doing a great job. I think the offense takes an additional step. I know that's counterintuitive because it's a better defense than what they've been seeing, but step from week one to week two, a step from week two to week three. And what I'm talking about isn't even necessarily points and yards, it's about cohesion. There still was not very much cohesion between the offense last week. Still not on the same page with the rookies. Still, you know, miscommunication. You know, the 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 fumble that was a, a running back, a handoff exchange. The snap into Christian Watson. You know, trying to throw to Dobbs and he's not ready. You know, that happened a couple times. 
I'm just I'm, I'm just feeling in a good mood, so I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say that although the Packers never, ever do this kind of thing, this is going to be a statement game. This is going to be a change-the-narrative kind of thing. I got the Packers with 31 points, Tampa 24. So it's, it's a classic, everybody thinks it's a low-scoring game, and it ends up being relatively high-scoring. 31-24 Packers. Anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. You folks have yourselves a great day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Go Pack Go. Bye-bye.